2: Yes, we do. And it's so fun. Uh, Becca is a friend of mine. Uh, I stayed with her at the 20 Books Conference. Uh, She is a developmental editor she does marketing she does a lot of different things but she has a her company is called fairy plot mother and uh so she does lots of things with authors and really helps them with their stories and she gave us some really good ideas and she's got some good tip sheet things that she's Mm giving away for you guys so it was a great interview
1: yes we talked a lot about like collaboration and working Mm -hmm. together and yeah lots of really good like mindset things so it was like right up our alley. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. What's been going on with you this week? Well, I have the books to send out for the Kickstarter. I know. I'm looking. To see-
2: <laughs> I can see them
1: behind you. There's like a lot of them. And the funny thing is, well, not funny, but um, one of the boxes got damaged on the way. And oh, so no. some of the books are like, I can't use them. And I've contacted Book Vault and they're going to replace them, which is how, you know, that's supposed to be handled and it's all going to be fine. But that's not even all the books. I ha- I still have like a lot another box coming
2: oh my gosh
1: (laughs) so that's my work for the next couple of days is yeah but it's really exciting to see them and it's it's, i feel like everything's kind of taking me this long to like totally fulfill it right Kickstarter, but it's very cool i feel like i've uh broken through to this new way of doing things and starting to think differently Yeah. yeah so
2: yeah, I so love that. that. I love that because there's been so little that's been new.
1: Yes. In the last
2: few years that I love. Yeah. That this is something you can yeah. kind of see. And then into.
1: the other thing I was going to mention real quick is that um, uh, Spotify has mm-hmm. a thing you can use to create a link to your audiobook. It's oh, wow. very simple. It's I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but it's mm-hmm. like it creates a little graphic for you and it can link to your book so you can share it. So it's very much like um, Headliner if you've used that yeah um but anyway so that's uh something new that i just ran across today and i i'll put a example in the show notes so if anybody wants to check it out they can
2: so, that is great yeah um so what are you doing well um we from thanksgiving um mm-hmm. i thought that well first of all it it was, it was fine, but it was also horrible. I mean, just to be real honest with everybody and why stop now? (laughs) Um, It it was, it was pretty awful. Um, But I mean, we pulled through and we got it together and, and my daughter did a wonderful job. I mean, there were, you know, like I think there ended up being, 36 people there instead of 40 or something like that, 38 people. And uh we all sat down. We all it was it was great, but it was just a crappy day. Was, I mean, it, it rained, sad. yeah. You know, yeah. it rained and then on top, and we had all these people and all these kids mm-hmm. in the house. And then on top of that, it was just sad. Um, there's just no other way around it. It was yeah. just sad. Um, but we, we, were, we got through it and, but Chris and I got a little stomach bug mm-hmm. and then, well, we weren't really sure it was a stomach bug. We thought maybe it was something that was related to him and something related to me, but yeah. then our grandson got it too. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> it's a stomach bug. Um, so we're all just kind of recovering from that. Um, yeah. I'm just, I'm going to take another social media break in December. Uh, i guess that's tomorrow right that's yeah yeah yeah, yeah, was, tomorrow, yeah. i'm going to i did it last december and um it was not very it wasn't as hard as i thought it would be i think this year will be a little harder because i know that i'm using social media or just the distraction of it to kind of self soothe mm-hmm. and so i am uh, I'm a little worried that I won't get through. You know, I won't be able to do it like I did last year. But it was really good for me, and it was funny because my social media grew during that time. So mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm not super worried about yeah. losing anything. But I just think it's good to take that time, especially December is a yeah. good time to do it. You got a lot going yeah. on anyway, and um, so I like that idea. Yeah. So and I was it was funny because I was I was trying to go back through and find pictures from um, Christmas last year because I wanted to see how I'd set something up and I was like I don't see any pictures well it's because I didn't (laughs) post any I mean I took some but I must have moved them someplace I can't find them but I didn't they weren't on any of my social media and I was like oh I must have that's why because I wasn't (laughs) posting on social media but yeah it was good it was. Yeah. It was good times. So I'm going to do that this time. But yeah, that's about like, all that's going on with me. So
1: I like that idea. I think that's yeah. great. And that makes me think of a podcast I just listened <laughs> to the Novel Marketing Podcast. Um, yeah. The new episode is called How to Grow Your Platform Without Social Media with Sandy wow. Cooper. Oh, wow. And to the author this. that she's left social media. And mm-hmm. it's just, she talks about it. She left for a year, came back for a little bit, and then left again right. permanently, pretty much. Right. And um, how she sells books without that. She's a nonfiction author. So it's a little bit different. Doesn't all apply to fiction authors. But anyway, I think that's kind of a trend that we may be going towards people doing less social media or none at all. Right. So I will join you on the social media fast in December. All
2: right. Very good.
1: So anybody else wants to join us, you're welcome. But we won't be checking in with each other.
2: We're not holding you accountable. (laughs) believe me, I'm going to be doing good to get mine, you know, to do it myself because I have, yeah, I'm just, I'm on it way too much. I mean, all I do is scroll TikTok, and it's not because I'm interested. It's because it's something to do and it's, it is a form of self, self self-soothing. So yeah. um, Yeah. So I'm, I, I recognize that. I guess that's the first step, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Knowing you have a problem. Um, So I'll be, I'll be working on that this month. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, we should get to Becca. Yes, we should. Cause it's great. All right. So here is Becca and we'll see y'all next week. Well, today we're super excited to talk to Becca Mysore. How are you, Becca?
2: Good. How are you, Sarah?
1: Hello, are you? Good.
2: good. Yeah. We're glad you're here. Um, I came home from Vegas and said, we got to get Becca on the podcast. And she was good enough to come on very short notice. So we're happy you're here.
0: Oh, oh! I'm so happy to be here.
2: <laughs> well, we're going to talk
1: about what you do. So let me read your bio real quick, and then we'll jump into the questions. Becca is the fairy plot mother and developmental mental editor. She works with best-selling authors on their stories from conception to marketing strategy.
2: Yes, and she's one of the best. I will tell you that. Um, so, so, Becca, tell us how did you get started working with writers?
0: Um, so the long and short of it was I became best friends with my favorite author at the time. And this was, you know, a long time ago where, um, I wouldn't say that authors should be as accessible as they were to me at the time, <laughs> um, but we, I won an arc and then we we bonded over it and we became best friends, um, fast friends, and it was such a special experience for me um, because it was like immediately I had already started writing two years before. And so I was already like very interested in this space and we got to plot out the rest of her cereal. Cause it was when cereals were really big, mm-hmm. um, all those years ago. Um, and then we were able to work on her breakout hit and, um, a handful of books after that. And then it became word of mouth, right? Like she would recommend me to other people to work with, to plot out their stories or to go through and do content edits, basically. Um, so that was kind of how I started. And I'm really fortunate that I was able to find, um, you know, that friend and have that relationship for the time we did.
2: That's, That's awesome. Fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. And you've recently gone through like a brand change, correct? You were... Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I was so- previously edits in blue, but I found that I'm not, I've almost didn't want to like be false advertising myself. Mm-hmm. Um, because so many people will be like, I need a proofreader. I need a line editor. And I'm like, that's not me friend. Um, <laughs> my process is a little more collaborative than other developmental editors often are. Um, and so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to make a swap and pursue what I'm most passionate about, which is what I tell my clients all the time. So I listen to my own advice for like once. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's always good.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> one time though. It's fine. Yeah. Just this one yeah.
1: <laughs> we have a hard time taking our own advice. We're, yes. it's Indeed not we easy do. to do. Yeah. One of our questions we always ask is, do you have any um, aspirations to write, but you said you've already started writing? So can you tell us about your books and when yes. you're writing?
0: So, Yeah, so I started writing in 2013. um, And like the first three books that I started writing were all like Second Chance, Brother's Best Friend, or like Cousin's Best Friend, which is basically, I would have changed it to make it sell better. Right. That would have been better Um, in a small town in Mississippi. It was like always what I wanted to write about. And then I hit Writer's Block, but I didn't know that what I was hitting. I just didn't have community and I didn't have anybody to help work through that writer's block. And that kind of is almost like why I have the job I have now is because Mm -hmm. like, if I had just had somebody to talk to or bounce ideas off of, like I would have been able to pursue further. And I did continue writing and I still have, you know, Books that are almost done, um, but I just don't get the same excitement, high, or fulfillment from writing that I do from like story creation and so much of the other things.
2: Right, right. And you talk about your process being collaborative, and I can attest to that. I, I personally have a used backup, but I room with her at twenty books. And she was on the phone a couple of times with clients and I was just blown away by the way that they were working together and she was just really kind of helping the author get to the next place in that story or or character development and I, I love that. I love that it's not just notes on a page that it's just you know you coming together with the author. So you feel like so as the author, I know for me personally it sometimes when I see notes on a page, I, it stops feeling like my idea and starts feeling like someone else's idea. But if you're working together, then it is your idea and you can take that and run with it. So I love that part of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's is there more about notes. that that you No, Is there just more about that that you found really helpful in working with your clients?
0: Yeah, and so like don't get me wrong, there are definitely um story ideas that I'll pitch that I want them to write for me because I'm not going to write them myself, <laughs> and I'm very selfish and I'm very open to be honest about that, okay? Not saying yeah. that I'm entirely selfless. However, <laughs> um I have worked with all different kinds of authors and kind of everywhere in their journey and the one thing that I know is that an author is an artist and mm-hmm. it's their vision. My goal yeah. is your vision at its best, best form. And like my, and for me, what I learned early on is I can give you a handful of notes and you just do with them what you please. And like, mm-hmm. that's, that's good with me. Cause it's your story. You're going to do what you're going to do. And my job is to just make sure you don't run into a wall full, full mm-hmm. speed <laughs> um, splat. And so that's why I choose the word collaborative because like my goal is your, your best, most sellable story. Um, so that you like, I'm like guardrails at a bowling alley, right? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. you're, <laughs> you get to push it, but like maybe we can keep it in the middle a little bit. Right. Um, but really, like we want what you, I want what you want. I want mm-hmm. what your success is. I want what your your ideal story is, and I just want to make sure that we can get your desired outcome right. with whatever it is that whatever project we're working on.
2: Right. I think that's great. I love that. What do you wish uh, authors knew about what you do?
0: I wish they knew that when they get stuck, they don't have to surround themselves with thirteen cups of water and coffee and different <laughs> kinds of mugs and just stare at them and hope that something would show up on their manuscript when yes. they could just call me we could figure it out in twenty minutes.
2: And yeah, twenty I'm feeling minutes kind so of attacked 20. right now. So you know you uh, know just, what? Yeah, I'm feeling kind <laughs> of attacked.
0: If you knew how many mugs my husband would take from my work area and bring them to the kitchen, which was like, let's say five to 10 feet away, like it's fine. Um, I will not say anything to anyone that I don't also deserve to hear myself. Um, But no, I mean, I just think that, I think that writing is so solitary, so Mm -hmm. isolating. Mm -hmm. And like, unless somebody, you know, you just need something else and so I wish that they knew that I existed first uh-huh. of all um but I also wish that they knew that like writing doesn't have to be you don't have to make everything from your own brain like right. I think so often it's like everything especially authors who have successful careers and are seeing good financial success like what's in their brain puts in their dollar in their bank account right and mm-hmm. then you put this intensive pressure that like I have to make whatever in my brain show up on the page so I can get money. Wow. And like that. I think that just creates so much pressure. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just here to relieve that pressure. Like you aren't the only one who has to come up with every idea to get paid right. and like create a successful career. And like, that's really like what I wish people knew about my job is that mm-hmm. like, I'm here because I don't owe you a favor after mm-hmm. you don't owe me a favor like you're not bothering me for picking up kids at soccer. Like right. I'm here for you, and I right. wish that I wish that more people saw that because when people f- know that, right. then I then, they'll call, then they call me, mm-hmm. and yeah. it doesn't matter. It could be once a year, it could be once a month. It doesn't. It you know, it's everybody has different needs, and right. that's all good. Right. Yeah. But it's just like you don't have to do this job by yourself.
1: Right. Well, I think we all start out bootstrapping, you know, and mm-hmm. we're all doing our mm-hmm. own thing. And where you get in that pattern, and then the idea that you can work with other people and brainstorm with other people and do stuff is just different. I mean, it's something that most of us don't explore. And I've done a couple of projects. They were more like I did a journal, uh, not creative writings projects, but creative projects. And I loved it. I loved the collaboration. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's something that we maybe need to be more open to.
2: Yes, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) And it's not cheating to to ask for help. I think in the beginning, I kind of felt like that, like unwise, because I was using a critique group, but I thought if I use a developmental editor, then I'm somehow cheating the system, which is, that's just foolish. I mean, that's just foolish. It would have helped, I think, a lot more if I had done that. Uh, I would have stayed in my lane a little bit better. As to use the bowling analogy, yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, is there anything you wish you'd known about indie publishing? You let me ask it again. Is there anything you wish you'd known about indie publishing or working with authors? i
0: think I think the hardest lesson, and I think that we all learn this in this arena, and it's not specifically. I think indie publishing is such a special place, right? Because like we're all coworkers and we're all friends. Mm -hmm. And I think the hardest lesson that I learned that I was talking with a client about this and she also deals with this just on an author side is um, I had to learn how to separate business and friendship, right? Because like, I want to see you succeed regardless of whether or not we're working together. Um, But. I had a client and I thought we were friends and I knew about her wife and her kids and her dog and her husband. And like, I knew all the things and we would worked on like six or seven books together. And then out of nowhere, she stopped talking to me. And when the next book was supposed to come, she just didn't send it. Um, yes. And she, I found out she had, was working with somebody else. And so I think that the thing that is so unique about the world that we work in is that you know, learning to understand that sometimes not everybody's your friend um, and that you are just a business relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that that's tough, whether that comes to newsletter swaps with authors or, you know, even critique partnering with authors, like realizing sometimes like it's just a colleague relationship and that's okay. But that's like the one thing that was like the hardest lesson for me to learn hands down was just like, some people, they're just here for business and some people are also here for friendship and learning to differentiate, but also learning not to let like your ego, your ego or your heart get bruised in that as well. Right. Um so I don't know if that's like the most specific to like publishing, but I do think it's a very unique thing that I don't see very often elsewhere. Um right. just because like it is very entwined here, our friendships run very deep. We have this shared common interest we're all very passionate about, but we are also all very different people. Um and so that was ha- that was the hardest
2: lesson that I've yes. learned, for sure. Yeah. I, I think that that is So smart. And also it is just indicative of this business because we, you're right. I mean, it's like, we all also have online friendships. We're not, most of our friendships, most of our relationships are not in public. And so, I mean, in person. And so it's hard sometimes to make that differentiation. I think that's a great answer. Yeah. That's one of the things I've
1: struggled with or that I struggled with. I still struggle with it, is like figuring out like, you know, I'm emailing my cover artist and, you know, getting that tone right and like mm-hmm. knowing when to be like, oh, I must have this here. Oh, you're having a hard day. I'm sorry. It's okay. You can send it to me next week. It's like those, because re- a lot of our lines do cross, like with mm-hmm. was just business. It'd be fine. It would be easier. But yeah. if we become closer friends, then it makes things complicated. So I think that's really smart too. Be able and I've even had people send me emails and they'll say hey we're doing this and if this doesn't work out that's totally fine we're still friends and I right. always appreciate that they're like they understand that they're showing that they get that relationship.
2: Right. Right. So. Yeah. so what do you see authors doing that they do because they think they have to but they're not producing results.
0: Such a good question. And I thought a lot about this um I think authors put a lot of pressure on themselves to create the way that everybody else does. Mm,
2: Yes. Mm -hmm.
0: And I think that's actually the biggest one, like more than anything, more than like you're doing ads, you're not doing ads, you're doing this, you're not doing that. I think the biggest thing is like looking at the paper next to you and saying, I should be doing that and not what you're doing. And, um, I used to run this conference and we would ask people, you know, to speak on different topics. And they would, it, it's really hard to advocate for yourself and say, like, I actually know what I'm talking about, about this. Mm-hmm. And then everyone will look around and be like, oh my God, you're so smart. But you would be like, I didn't even know that I knew this. I just, somebody <laughs> asked me. So I said, yes. Yeah. Um, And so when you're looking constantly at the other paper, you're forgetting what you're good at. Mm-hmm. Instead of leaning into that strength, you're just trying to be like, no, but they're so much better at this. I need to be better at this. Yeah. Um, And I went through my own crisis of this. just like in my personal life where I was like, oh no, I need to be less chaotic and I need to be more organized and, you know, I need to be this person who can just knock things off a list. And like, I just accepted I'm not that person. I am a little chaos creative out here being wild in my little baby tornado of love and that's okay. And so I think like when an author is looking to produce, you know, write, write really fast, write to market, write. Um, you know, right in line with the market and right in the trends exactly as they are, the minute that that becomes like the hefty focus, the faster they burn out mm-hmm. and also the less compelling the stories are as well. And so I'm sorry, not everyone can be a champion who busts out a thousand words in 20 minutes. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. You just have to set your own self up for success. Right. And so when you place those really aggressive expectations on yourself that don't apply to you, but maybe apply to your friends or to your, you know, Mm -hmm. whoever, like you are going to fail Mm -hmm. because you did not set yourself up to be kind to yourself and to be thoughtful. So I'm not saying like slack and don't write, Mm
2: -hmm. but I'm
0: saying like the more that you compare other people's journeys Mm -hmm. to your own, the worse off your career ends up being. Right.
2: We talk about comparison on here all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's certainly been an issue for me and a lot of the authors that, of we, yeah. that we talk about. I mean, talk to. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that's great. That's yeah. a really great answer. That is that is that the biggest mistake you see authors making? Or is there? Yeah. yeah. They
0: make it every day, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to sit down with my clients and say, you know what? You don't need to write five more sports romances. Right. You're tired of sports <laughs> romance. Right. Right let's go do something that you actually want to do. Or like, no, I'll have a client that wants to fit in writing seven books a year. And I was like, you can do five, you have kids, like you can't do seven. And, just because so-and-so does seven doesn't mean that you need to maybe just write two, maybe write three. But like, it really is the biggest mistake that I see is like, it's not just the comparison, but making those choices off of those comparisons. Right. Right. Because we all play the comparison game, but it's taking that next step of action is Mm -hmm. the number one mistake that I see.
2: And it also just steals you of, of your joy. I mean, I know that's, the cliche, I mean, that's the saying, but it is so true. It, it, it makes what we do not find if you're, if that's where your head is at. So I think that's great. Yeah. Well, let's switch to more positive (laughs) because
1: we totally agree about the comparisonitis and stuff, but do you have any commonalities you see in writers who've been successful over the long haul?
0: Yes. They write the thing (laughs) they actually want to write. Um, That's like the number one thing. Um, And so I'm sitting over here thinking, but, you know, I have a client who just is like all angsty billionaires, like really in it. And then I have another client who's also billionaires, but she's like never going to give you a plot twist. That's just like, not for her, but just like knowing your voice, knowing those like knowing and being true to that writer self mm-hmm. and not pretending that there's something else like is is definitely the biggest thing um mm-hmm. you know and both those authors that I just talked about are, like are good we Good choice finalists right now like yeah they're both in there and they're both com- both my clients and both completely separate. Like process. And I think mm-hmm. what makes them so successful and why their books are so addicting is because they're just like, this, no, this is like, this is what I want to write about. This is what I'm going for.
1: Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. you just can't substitute like your passion. Like it's, it, you can't fake, maybe you can for a little while, faking a genre or something that, <laughs> but if you don't love it,
2: then it's going to be hard to do it over the long haul. Right. Right. I think that's absolutely true. Do you work with a wide range of authors and genres? I guess it's probably the question because I know you are heavy on romance, but you do work with other genres, right?
0: Yes, I do. Um, so I've done thriller, I've done action adventure, and I've done sci-fi as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that horror is not for me. So yeah. that's not <laughs> a space that I don't <laughs> to. Um no. And I don't typically enjoy nonfiction. So I'm definitely like your fiction, genre fiction. Yeah go to. Um, Romance is definitely my passion, but I'm a firm believer that that's because character is such a driving force in romance, but character should be the driving force in every story we tell, um, which is why it's pretty easy for me to flip into like literary fiction and thriller and stuff, because it's all propelled by character choice.
2: Right, right. So do you see trends or, you know, in let's say romance or thrillers that that are popular right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think we have like kind of two different kinds of trends right now. I think we have a reader trend where we're getting so many new readers. Mm -hmm. I think that, um, being inside for two years really reminded us that we actually need things to do like read and there's only so much TV a girl can watch. Um, and so, people are voracious right now. Mm -hmm. And so someone asked me, they're like, well, this book, I didn't even think it was that good. Why is it doing so well? And I was like, people are excited to read. Mm -hmm. So I think like, that's a big trend that I see right now is that our readers are very excited to read. Mm -hmm. Um, not that they're not picky. I just think they're excited. Um, and then in romance specifically, I mean, so I have so many clients that are so successful in different areas. Like I know people that write sweet romance that are very successful, Mm -hmm. same with like dark romance. And so I think it's almost like there's a little bit of a misconception that like only one thing is doing well right now. Like I've had people be like, oh, well only dark romance is doing well because of TikTok. And I'm like, well, that's not true. Mm -mm. Um, So when I think of the trends though, I definitely think like if you're going for like what that TikTok, what that newer, younger crowd is, they want that big drama and that big angst and whatever that is. Um, and it could be like rom com, but they want the drama, mm-hmm. right? They're here mm-hmm. because it's exciting. They've been right. inside for two years. Yeah. Like, you know, now <laughs> we're outside, hopefully still being safe. But I think when I think of trends, um, it's always that it's a pie and there's plenty for everybody. And I know it's not like a really specific example, um, (laughs) but but like.
2: I I agree. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think that's great though.
2: Yeah. And so if you, let's say, for instance, you write rom-coms as some of us do, um,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and you were trying to market that to a younger crowd, you would then focus more on the whatever conflict was in the story as opposed to the maybe the funny or the you know setting or whatever
0: yeah i mean i think that people are looking for like what's that conflict right because so yeah. much of i feel like genre fiction is like almost like built around the conflict when we pitch mm-hmm. or even when we go to watch a movie mm-hmm. like that pitch is still that trailer is still about the conflict right um right. Plus a couple of laughs. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think like for rom-com, I would still focus on what's the conflict and Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit of like, what's the energy that they're getting from this? Are they getting a small town vibe? Like, Mm -hmm. are they interested in small town? Um, and small town does really well. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and at this point, so much of it does really well that it almost like, you know, but it's just a reminder, small town does really well. Not everything is dark and sexy. Um, There is space for everyone to be seeing, um, you know, success right now. So I would pitch it definitely on the conflict. Like, I think that that's right. The conflict, the tropes, and then maybe something like really absurd. Um, If you have something really crazy, like a goat that is out here causing mayhem Mm. with, and has like a revenge quest mm-hmm. like or maybe a cat <laughs> miss ma'am
2: yes um
0: see <laughs> <thanks laughs> you um but i think like we want those funny memorable pieces but whenever i think about like when i'm selling a book i think of it always like what am i getting the way that i would get a, a movie trailer right, right. like right. i want to know what to expect i don't want to know everything that's gonna happen right,
1: right. yeah, yeah. That's really yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love that. So, how has indie publishing changed since you've been doing this?
0: Oh my gosh, I feel like I've been through a bunch of iterations. <laughs> yeah. Like I started reading the 2013 The Gold Rush number one, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then the 2015 Gold Rush, Rush 2.0, yeah. yeah. right? And now we're in this like new phase. Um, so I feel like it's changed a lot. I feel like some, the one thing that I've really seen is that people who want to be here stay and the people who are not as passionate, definitely either find, redefine what that success looks like for them, or they've, you know, go do other things like race cars or do whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I think it's changed a lot in the sense that like the readership is younger now, especially Mm -hmm. in romance. I think that there's a lot more tools now. Um yes. I think that yes. right. There's so many more tools. Like there's mm-hmm. so many more ways to like better that positive like could you think about like, oh, if only I'd had this in 2014, mm-hmm, <laughs> like how mm-hmm. so much easier in my life would yes. like, be. Like, just yes. even having Canva like changes out mm-hmm. so much for yes. everybody. Um, yeah. and so I think it's like tools. I also think the attitude is different because the people who've been here a long time know you can't just be in it only for the money. Right versus wow. like i feel like every time we hit a gold rush period like it feels like people pop in cuz they're like this is fast easy money mm-hmm. and then they mm-hmm. realize like it's not that fast it's not that easy and like yeah. you actually
2: have to want to do this job to yeah. <laughs> there are easier ways to make money is what i yes. tell
1: people <laughs> oh way easier yeah
0: so that's why I feel like it's changed, right? Like, I just yeah. feel like mentality comes and goes, but I feel like there's more of us. It's continuously a, a growing community and we have so many more tools and resources that we did not have 10 right. years ago.
2: Right, right. yeah, right. Yeah.
1: So it's well, harder, but easier too at yeah, the same time.
2: It is, Yeah. it is. So we want to ask you some questions specifically about what you do. So at what stage should should an author contact like someone like you, if they're looking for um, help with a plot?
0: So there are varying spots. For me, if you are in a shoestring budget, Mm -hmm. I'm probably not your best person just because, and I, I, I mean, Jamie heard me literally tell somebody this, um, (laughs) who like was like, I'm going to work with you. And I was like, I love this energy, but like, you can put this money into smarter places. And so like, if it's a smart place for your budget to go, then I'm a great person. Um, If It's not a smart place for your budget to go. I will cheer you on via my emails. Um, and so for me, I find that people who are typically four books and up is a great fit. Mm -hmm. Um, if you need a quick phone call or you're like just working on something under four books is, is normally okay. It's just like a commitment, Mm -hmm. but like If you have more than four books, typically you kind of know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so then I can be more helpful. Like you've understood what your process is. You know a little bit what works for you. You're willing to listen. I find that you're either willing to listen more Mm
2: -hmm. or
0: you're very specific about what you actually need versus like if somebody only has one book, they don't really know what they're doing. So I can help guide you, but you really don't know what you're doing. So I might not be the best resource at the end of the day.
2: Right, right. That's really good. Yeah. I I think that's good because actually that was the next question we were going to ask too, is like, who should contact you? But I I love that putting your budget to work for you in the best way possible. And sometimes that's not with someone like you at the beginning.
0: And it's not. And I was talking to a friend of mine and she you know, she's hit seven figures and I'm like super proud of her. And she was like, the one thing that I learned is like, what's going to make me more successful is like building out my team.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, and so, I mean, I work with people from five figures and up typically, because then, then it makes sense to like, not just like ask people that are directly in that same career space that you're
1: in. Right. Right, right. Well, what are some of the things if somebody's newer and they aren't quite at the stage where they need you yet, or that maybe isn't the best time to reach out? Uh, do you have some suggestions for them, like what they could do for help with plotting and kind of sorting through ideas and things?
0: Yeah, I think that a couple of things are like when you think about. I worked I was talking with a debut author and she was like, okay, my story is this, my main characters, they don't really meet each other until like 23,000 words in. And then I was like, oh my God, <laughs> <it's the only laughs> word. Me, I think like, oh God, that's like two and a half hours of time before they're like even tangentially yeah. on screen together. Yeah. And so I always think about like, take a step back put your ego in its box Mm -hmm. and look at your story the way that you, if you were reading this, what would that look like? How long is it going to take you to get to where you need to go? Would you prefer to meet your characters on screen together? Maybe not at chapter ten, but maybe at chapter one, two, three, or four, at the latest. For the latest, <laughs> please, please, please. Um, but I think really taking that moment to take that view screen of like if I were reading this as a reader. Mm -hmm. You know, but you have to take that ego and put it in a box. You can't view it through your artist eyes. You have to look at it as if you're your own audience and consumer.
2: Right.
0: And so sometimes, um, you know, that's really tough. And then I always suggest also find other people. And you're like, but where, where am I going to find these fictitious people who are going to love me forever and Mm -hmm. help me. And um, sometimes that's where Google comes in, but there's always like writing groups, even your local writing group. Um, There are some online groups, whether that be Alessandra Torrey's inkers, et cetera. Um, But to go in and Find people who are where you are in your career. If you're mm-hmm. a debut, look for a debut or someone who has less than three books. Like if you have a couple of books, look for people who have a couple of books out. And it's not to say that, you know, that's you should just stay in your place and like don't talk to people who have more books than you or something crazy like that. It's more just that like you guys are both looking for the same things at the same time.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
0: you're gonna be able to help each other um much better in that emotional bandwidth than somebody who maybe has, you know, seven, eight books out and is helping somebody who has, who's just working on their first book. You're at an imbalance of being able to look for the same things.
2: Right. Right. And reciprocate, reciprocate. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. Also um, just working with somebody kind of who's at the same level as you is exciting because you're both kind of, you're doing this together in a lot of ways or the group of you are doing this together. And, you know, here's the deal. It's hard. You know, people have had bad experiences with critique groups or, or writing partners or whatever. And I didn't, and I was so fortunate. However, if you're hearing the same people, I mean, different people saying the same thing about your story, then it doesn't really matter if you like them or you think they're mean or not. You should probably listen if everyone is saying the same thing. If there's a problem that your characters don't meet until chapter seven, then for everyone reading it, then there's a problem. And you should at least look at that. Um, we're we're all about um, saying the truth and the hard things because we've usually broken that rule and mm-hmm. learned the lesson. Found out it. the hard way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, that is that is really a big thing around here yeah
0: I was reading I'm reading this book I think it's like the secret of story story secret by Matt Bird and he t- starts off pretty early on and talks about that like there are some people who just want to write and then, but the people who sell understand their audience mm-hmm. and so if your critique group is also your audience and they're telling you don't get upset. Obviously, some people yeah. may not be kind about it, right? You know, and we can weed out their negative energy or whatever. But, right. like, if you're looking to improve, <gasps> listen with both ears, especially if the people around you are actually your audience, because that's what's going to sell your book.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's such a good point. Because if you have people who, may, who are giving you advice and they don't read what you're writing, they're probably not the best people to listen to. But if they do read, then that's very helpful. So. Yeah.
0: I have a client and she was like, oh, my writing coach is telling me that. Why am I trying to put so much romance in this? And I was like, <laughs> I well, babe, a I just want to be sure. And I had asked her before I, before I said anything, I was like, what kind of book is this? Is this literary fiction or is this going to be a romance? She's like, oh, it's a romance. And I was like, then why is the person that is <laughs> advising you telling you less romance? Like, I think that's why it's like when people are like, oh, my mom read it. My best friend thinks I'm amazing. Mm -hmm. Like find the people that are trying to do what you're also doing and are interested in what you're also doing. Otherwise, like that advice could be good. Right. But probably is not a top tier advice I'd be listening to at this time.
1: Yeah. You have to kind of align things to make sure that the advice you're getting matches what you're trying to do at the end. Yeah.
2: That's awesome. That's great. Well, this has been great. And right. James, do you have any more questions? I do. I have one more. What do you see coming, Becca? Do you see anything coming on the horizon um, in um, publishing or any specific genre? I'm not super
0: sure. I'm trying to think like, what do I really see coming? And I still, I think what I see is just like the continued movement forward of like, stories that connect, whether that be mm-hmm. cliffhangers, trilogies, interconnected standalones, building out that world. Right, I think right. that that is what I see just continued movement forward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's tried and true, but I think a lot of times we are like, oh, it's a standalone. Oh, it's whatever. But I think the more that you tie things into what's going on around you, uh-huh. or that you've already committed to, the more likely the people who are interested in what you're doing are going to pick up on that. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't know if I see anything like super hot on the forefront, uh-huh. um, obviously, actually, that's a lie. I do, <laughs> and it's already going really well. However, it's not for everybody, um, but why choose romance in sci-fi or paranormal? Um, crushing it right now. Um, and so I What's don't call. That- why choose
2: yes or why
0: choose um, uh, yes, like yes. yeah. why choose, mm-hmm. um romance mm-hmm. especially paranormal yeah um, I see that just continuing to build and get bigger over the next six months for sure mm-hmm. um but, you know, again, that's just constant world building. And right. so I think even if you aren't writing, you know, if you're only writing, you know, main character and main character, yes, that's cool. Um, it's just making sure that you're building out whatever contemporary world or you know, sci-fi world or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and feeding back into that. Because okay. a lot of these why choose um series are books are multi series they're multi-books. So yeah, I think readers are willing to. Continue in a world that they started in. And so that's like the one thing that I see continuing to do well.
1: Uh, so that that's kind really of lo- a- loops back to like tie things together. If you have a way you can tie a standalone yeah. to perhaps a, a series, your readers are going to be more willing to go there. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, I think so. Like I think like if you, uh, you know, if you've got a small town, obviously we can't put 15 murders in the small town, but maybe there's a cousin that came for Christmas and like their small town has a murder. Yeah. You know, it's just people like it's why we like genre fiction so much is right. because it's familiar. And so you're just building in another layer of familiarity, saying like, mm-hmm. "Oh, like who is this person and always fill out your back matter in the back of your books. Cannot say it enough. But if you have characters that show up in your books that you could link to their stories and this works, especially for, you know, obviously for romance, but right. I think it work it does work for some other genres as well. Um, but building out that world.
2: Yeah. I think yeah. just like
0: it, it just adds that next layer of familiarity and they're like, Oh, Hey, I really like Sarah's work. I'm going to go check out this other one. Oh my gosh, here's this little baby Easter egg because readers love to feel clever. Mm-hmm. They don't like to they feel discovered. Part of it. They something. love to feel clever.
1: Yeah, yeah. they do. Like they, they, they feel like they've discovered right. something or they find, found like the hidden trail. Yes, mm-hmm. I love that. I and
0: love you that. don't have to be overt with it, but it's just enough that that reader feels clever and it creates another sense of excitement as they're reading.
2: Right, right. Well, it makes your existing readers feel clever and it makes new readers curious. Yeah.
0: We love to feel curious as well as we read. We don't need to know every single little bit immediately.
2: No, no. No. Well, Sarah's right. This has been awesome. I've loved it. Um, Can you tell people where they can find you and find more about you?
0: Yes. Um, My website is fairyplotmother.me. I like it because <laughs> there's a joke, like fairy plot mother, me please. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like to feel clever too. Um, and then, um, you know, on Instagram, my Instagram is really sad right now. So please don't judge me. Um, it is in the middle of a rebrand, but also at fairy plot mother.
2: Okay. It's
0: great. So those are two really good places to find me. Um, All right.
2: Perfect. That's awesome. That's oh, cool. awesome. Yeah. I have- Thank you so much.
0: I have a um, free character icebreaker sheet um, that you can sign up for. Um, So I know Jamie and Sarah have the link. And so um, it's like 10 questions. And then I also, you're like, why are you asking me what they like to drink? Don't worry. There's a reason I give all the reasons kind of on the (laughs) back page, Um, (laughs) but I have a list of like 10 kind of 10 questions that kind of give you big picture and little picture Um, things to ask your your characters because I really believe that genre fiction is built by those characters.
2: Yes. That's a great note to end on right there. Yeah. That's awesome.
1: All right. So we will have the link to that and all the extra links to your website and stuff in the show notes. And we just want to say thanks for being here. And thanks to Alex Larberg for producing and editing the podcast and to Adriel Wiggins for doing the admin. We'll see everybody next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.